Welcome back to The Francisca Show, where we encourage fellow artists and entrepreneurs to collaborate and support each other while sharing their stories. I'm Francisca, a singer, composer, and also your host. Today we have Miriam Grunhaus, an artist, fashion designer, and entrepreneur who launched a clothing line that is not just about clothing. Welcome. Thank you so much. Nice to be here. It is so nice to have you on the show. You are our first fashion representative. It's really exciting to talk about this part of entrepreneurship because there are many women, many Jewish women today who are in the fashion industry and there's so much to learn and there's so much we don't know about it. And I know there's a lot you would like for your market to know about your process, about your product, that you don't get a chance to tell your story. So here we are today, giving an opportunity to Mika Fashion to share its story, to share your challenges, to communicate your mission to your market. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so let's just get started. Tell me how you got into fashion. Like, what was your background? What has been your, your road to starting mm -hmm. this company? Okay, so I, as a child, I always wanted to be an attorney. My parents are, are lawyers, my mother is an attorney and a psychologist, and I was always leaning to those fields uh, in mainly law. After I finished high school, I went back to Brazil where I was born. I did high school in Israel. So I went back home and I worked with my father for a year. And frankly, I didn't enjoy myself. And my father took me in for a conversation and he told me that really what he would want is for me to be happy in what I did and not just to follow what he was doing. And we went into this conversation and he said that if he didn't go into law, he would probably go into marketing. Uh, so I started um, a course in Brazil. It's very interesting. It's taught by professionals in the field. So it's an advertising media graphic design school, uh, but it's really just taught by people who, in very big agencies like McCann Erickson and Young and Rubicon and like the big names. And they teach you every single part of the business. And I absolutely fell in love with it and decided from there to come to the U.S. and go to FIT and study advertising and graphics. As a from girl, my parents didn't want me to be an FIT before I was married, so I went to Stern. I did the shape major. I went to Stern until I got married, and then I transferred to FIT, and I got my degree from FIT. And I absolutely, and, and that's the truth, I love my field of graphics and marketing. I did it for 25 years, and the funny thing was that with time, I started doing work for pharmaceutical companies, and I got sucked into the ethics and compliance business of pharmaceutical and my business for probably the last 20 years was teaching companies how to be ethical in business how it's important for business to be ethical and from a marketing perspective marketing wise it's good for you to be ethical that's what i was teaching employees i was using all my graphics expertise to do trainings and handouts and brochures and posters and logos and all of that but i was i was even doing speaking engagements and the funny thing it was how like a, a full circle i ended up working with lawyers and i absolutely loved it the way the business works with the pharma is that every few years they get acquired 
So if I was working for the pharma that was bigger, I kept my, my job. But then if the company that I was working for was the one that was acquired, all the people in compliance were laid off. And until they landed new jobs, I had a year of nothing to do. I was getting tired of that. And I had gone through some personal things in my life. And I felt that I needed a change. And I started playing and designing handbags. And I started a line of handbags. Very soon after, I realized that most women, they don't really care about the quality of their handbags. A handbag was a statement of fashion, of, of social status. If they were going to pay $300 for that bag, it really it was important that it had the logo recognition. It was a status symbol. So to build the brand of a handbag company, it requires a tremendous amount of money, which I don't have. So I did one dress, which is my boho chic dress, which is what Mika is famous for. The dress can be worn in about 10 different ways. It sold very well and very fast. And from there, we started growing the line. And I, I almost feel like I'm an accidental fashion designer. I could have designed many other things. I was always very artistic. I did a renovation in my house. I did the entire architecture of my house. I designed the pools. I designed homes for other people. Um, so I designed jewelry. I could have fallen into any of those categories. Art is my passion creating. I don't stop thinking and designing and having new ideas in my head all the time. It's actually sometimes a problem because I feel like my brain never rests. But that is how I started the the company. That's so interesting. As you mentioned, you are an accidental fashion entrepreneur. And that's fascinating. But it makes sense because when you're artistic and you're talented in so many ways, and clearly you are talented in many ways, you could you end up using it in whatever opportunity that comes first that you see fit. The underlying theme here is that you were artistic. Clearly, you weren't happy to go the lawyer path. And seeking happiness and needing to express your art has been the motivation here that got you to this place. So it's it's fun to see how you did end up going to FIT and you did start a company and use your marketing and graphics expertise that you did use in the corporate world. Speaking of fashion and starting a company, it sounds all glamorous to anyone listening to it, but I have some exposure, especially through our mutual friend here who happens to be my sister uh, who is in the fashion industry SD from shop drop I hear all the all the bad stuff about the fashion industry how hard it is and how impossible it is so give us the real down low about what it's like and what have the challenges been so far the false impression of glamour uh, it's absolutely awful I mean Listen, I'm doing it, right? So there must be some fulfillment. But this is where I would tell anybody who's dreaming about it, that unless you absolutely love and you have a passion and there is an absolute reason, that fashion is a, not a, a an easy career path. So here are my feelings. First of all, coming from a home of high and extreme ethics, 
And that's what I saw in my home. That's what I did for 20 years. Uh, that's very much lacking in the fashion business. And for me, it's a shock because I almost want to fix ethics issues and compliance issues as I'm going along because that's what makes me me. So for me, it's very tough. And one of the reasons that I don't manufacture just anywhere, I could be manufacturing in all kinds of places around the world to save money, but I don't, is because I care about certain things. For example, I have an issue with children working in factories. I have an issue with factories that don't have proper bathrooms, toilet paper and, and dish soap and, and like hand soap. I It may sound crazy, but I actually went, I go to visit the factories and I check those things because I want the people who are making the clothing to have a, a fair life. I just can't stand the knowledge that people would be abused in making my products. And and if, you know, I can't sell as much because my products are not so cheap, then just so big, but at least I can sleep at night. Um, I don't think that most people know uh, what goes on behind the scenes. I think that they know that there is an issue, but they don't make all the efforts to go see because it's better not to know. Um, not to say that you can't manufacture in the U.S. A lot of the manufacturing that goes on here uh, is manufactured by Chinese, which is not necessarily a bad thing at all. But you also need to check how it's being done. So this is one one part of the manufacturing issue. The other, it's almost like they picked everybody that has horrible work ethics and they put it in that same industry. I mean, people don't understand dealing with factories we're we're really abused. I mean, the factories' uh, point of view is we want to deal with companies that order very big quantities. If you order smaller quantities, then you are at the bottom line here. We don't want like to please you. Is we're not going to go out of our way. Companies can be delayed, so we have a deadline of when we need to ship the products to the stores, and they can cancel orders if we don't deliver by the certain dates. The factories will do the best they can, but not they're not going to go out of their way to fulfill those deadlines. If it didn't get done, it didn't get done. You pay them up front, so you're going to still get your merchandise delayed, and your stores can cancel orders. You're just not dealing with people that really care about your business. And if they do care, and if they will make all the effort in the world, and if they, you know, they will be so expensive, it's gonna be cost prohibitive to work with them. So it's an issue. Dealing with like sample making, people don't realize the costs that are involved just to create a style. You have to create it. You have to do samples in different sizes. You have to try it on different bodies. People tell me, why don't you do bigger sizes? Uh, they don't understand that a bigger size, when, once it, it's oversized 12, for example, the body changes so much at the distribution of weight that, yeah, size 6 is probably going to fit most people who are size 6, but a size 14 is not going to fit all the people who are 14. So how do you do it? How do you figure out what the body, the, the body type of your market share? You have to try it on fit models. I mean, it's thousands and thousands of dollars to get one style done. And then you have all of, you know, you present it to stores and 
they choose what they buy for their stores. If they don't, if you don't get enough orders, you just can't, you have to kill that style. And it doesn't matter that you spend thousands of dollars developing it. The stores really defining what ends up in, in stores, what people buy. They, they really control the fashion in a way, especially in the from world where we're so uh, dependent on the stores that sells modest fashion. They're really controlling what people are going to end up buying at the end of the day. It's very complicated, you know, being in graphic design and marketing and dealing with the level of people that I was dealing and them coming into fashion world. And to the point that brings myself sometimes to tears and I've spoken to other uh, fashion designers and I'm not alone that the frustration is so big that sometimes we, we just cry. And then the travel. I mean, if you're a big company and you're a multimillionaire and you're going first class and you're staying in the best hotels and you have a driver taking you places, then maybe it's not so horrible. But when you don't have money and you, you know, traveling with miles on coach with two stops sometimes and you get to your location and you're in a filthy Airbnb and you're, you're eating tuna because there's no kosher restaurants by where the factories are, it's not easy. You know, it's, it's, that's why I'm saying if you don't love it, if you don't have a certain specific passion, something that you want to do, it's just a very difficult business to be in. And I believe it's easier for people whose families have been in the same business and they have all kinds of things already figured out and they have the infrastructure. But if you're going to start in this business, it's it's very hard. And as a religious girl, I Look, right now, I'm going to be at a fashion show. I was invited. I was chosen as an emerging designer based on, on my line, which is such a huge honor. And then so many of the events I can't participate because they're on Shabbos or they're, it happens to be on Hag. So also as a from person, if you want to break out into the non-Jewish world, very hard. Wow. This is just a whole new category because, you know, we've been hearing everyone complain, all our past guests and myself complain about how hard and how much you have to sacrifice to be in the business that you're passionate in, um, whether it's music, dance, film, and now clothing. There is a the common theme of there are already so many restrictions. You, you have all these ethical issues and then add on from women. It just doesn't end. It just every every part that's just making you work harder. I mean, if anyone has to work the hardest, it's the firm woman. I agree. So clearly you're definitely passionate about this. How do you feel your background in marketing, your entrepreneur background, how did that help you in your business? Because I imagine someone who is just a fashion person would not survive. Uh, to start alone without the background that I have, I they would require a tremendous amount of money because right now all the graphics and marketing I do for myself and that's my expertise. I wish I had more time and there were things that I'm not an expert. For example, social media is not my strength. I, I believe wholeheartedly that you need somebody who is a you know, just a full-time social media person, and that's not my background. Um, 
but we, we can't afford, you know, when we're starting a company, all the money goes to make samples or to try to go to shows or to travel to go visit stores or to travel to the factories. I mean, all of your money is focused on that. So how do you have money to do marketing, graphics and logos and videos? It's very, very hard. So for sure, I had this, you know, I have this incredible benefit that I know how to do this myself. But another thing that I learned and other people should learn is the bartering. I mean, I have bartered clothing. I have bartered my time. I have done graphic design for other people, for them to do something for me that I don't, you know, that I can't afford to pay for. So I think that people need to be creative with their expertise and what they can afford. And the people Many are willing to do a barter, and barter is money, and it actually it's really more than money because nobody's paying taxes on that, really, right? If I do you a favor, you do me a favor, there's no exchange of money, and we're saving on, on tax payments for that for what that is worth. So you have to look for people that would be willing, that are also in the same boat as yours. They have talent, they don't have money, and you have something to offer them. So that is a lot of realistic expectations and adjusting of, you know, the mindset of our listeners and myself. So until now, you have been working primarily targeting the Jewish modest woman market. You did mention that you are branching out. So could you tell us a little bit more about this change in your company and what caused it? Sure. The reason for me to be branching out and not fully focusing on the fruit market. It's not that I don't want to work with the fruit market, but it's because mainly because I have a story to tell. And this story that I'm going to tell with my brand, it doesn't apply only to the Jewish woman. It applies to every woman. And so this is something that happened. I, you know, here I am working literally, I, I'm telling you without exaggeration between 12 and 16 hour days, I hardly sleep. I am getting older. I see that I don't have the energy so much like I used to, to be doing those crazy marathons. And I don't feel happy and fulfilled. And I'm saying, hold on a second. This was uh, my midlife crisis, right? This was my red Corvette. I I have to love it because if not, I might as well get the red Corvette and go back to doing graphic design. Why am I not loving why am I not being so, you know, getting fulfilled from doing the fashion? And here is, you know, something very interesting. I'm not a fashionista. I am not into clothing for myself. I don't shop much, not even before I started doing this. I don't go to the mall. It's just not my thing. I probably, if I could, would leave wearing jeans, overalls, walking barefoot outside. I am much more of a farmer uh, type of person than I am a fashionista. So that in itself, it's like crazy, right? So why am I doing this? And I realized I'm an artist and my clothing better be art. And my clothing better have a story to tell and it has to bring good to the world. And if it won't, then why am I doing this? So how am I going to combine my artistic ability with trying to create good in the world through my clothing? 
So the story that I am going to now start telling, we are debuting in September in South Florida Fashion, South Florida International Fashion Week. The story is, is the story really of every woman. We go through troubles, we go through hardships, we all do, nobody is exempt. And we feel less than because of whatever we go through in our lives. We feel broken. We don't want to show people our vulnerabilities and we suffer alone. And now because of social media, we sometimes think that we're the only ones having a tough life. We're the only ones going through some uh, challenge because everything you see is women posting wonderful things. So their lives are wonderful and your life sucks. But in reality, life sucks for everybody because the journey, the journey that we're going through, it's about these challenges. I mean, we're not here to really to have fun. We're here to grow, to become better individuals. And how do we become better individuals if not going through challenges and surpassing them? And then once we surpass them, we go to another challenge. It's like you want to become fit. You go to the gym. And you're tearing your muscles, and that's how you're making your muscles stronger, right? It's the pain and the hard work that's going to make that muscle stronger and tougher. And that's what happens with us in life. So I came across a Japanese art called kintsugi. Kintsugi is when a pot breaks. They don't throw it out. They don't believe in throwing out. They glue it back together, and they glue it with an enamel, and then they they add gold. The process of fixing a pot through kintsugi is timely and something that was very cheap before before it was broken, after it's fixed, it's actually more expensive and more durable. If it's going to break again, most li- fall again, most likely it won't even break for sure, won't break in the same places that it was fixed. And I found that fascinating. And the kintsugi dishes are absolutely gorgeous. Just like fixing ourselves is a slow process. You know, we have to be patient, but we can add gold. And even though we're broken, we can put our pieces together and make something more beautiful, more durable, more amazing, more valuable. It's in the fixing. I suddenly, I had an aha moment. You know, we're all broken, but some of us know how to fix ourselves and some of us don't. And maybe I can create a line of clothing that can inspire women to understand that, first of all, the fact that they're broken doesn't mean that we discard them. Uh, They are fixable. That's why we're here. We're here to break and fix. And if we add gold, if we add silver, if we add some passion, we can become better, more valuable, and you know, more amazing than before. So I decided that my line is not just going to be about the clothing, but my line is going to be empowerment to women to be kind to themselves and just understand that we're here to do the work. So a big part of my line is going to be the blog. We have started already interviewing women. And so far, the three women that we interviewed, and I have seven women in line only two of those are jewish all the other women are not jewish so this is really something for everybody i want to reach every woman because a lot of women we immediately look at ourselves physically you know oh we gained weight oh i'm short oh i'm crooked not pretty enough 
But if we look at our beauty in our scars, right? What's so beautiful on those dishes that broke? It's exactly the broken lines. They're the ones that are filled with gold. They're the ones that make the dish so beautiful. So why is it that my fat body is not what is beautiful? It is what's beautiful. I had four children. I had hyperemesis four times. I threw up. I was in the hospital. I was so sick all times. That is what's beautiful about my fat body, you know? Why can't I celebrate that why can't we all celebrate that and i think for the first time in the last four years that i'm designing clothing is that i'm feeling really happy with what i'm doing and stronger to withstand the you know the 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 toughness of this business because now i feel like really connected with what i'm doing so i do want to ask you a signature question that we talk about in every podcast Mm-hmm. Does your business, is it still breaking even? Have you already made a profit? Where are you holding in your, in, in your journey? So, I, so it's, it's an interesting question because um, when it comes to business, at the end of the day, what matters is, you know, your Money. return on investment is, are you making a profit? And if you look at my life, if you look at my business, my business has been profitable from day one. I am a, an entrepreneur first. And I'm, thank God, you know, I have a good sense of business. Can I survive with this profit as a Jewish woman? Absolutely not. I mean, we're dying. I put my house for sale. Um, and I'm not embarrassed. You know, that's another thing. People struggle financially and they think that this is... Uh, a reason to be embarrassed. I'm not at all embarrassed. We're, you know, when you look at tuition, when you look at kosher food, when you look what it is to live in a Jewish community, what are the taxes on the homes, you know, just the prices of the homes. We need to be rich to be poor as a Jew, as a, as a religious Jew. And if I went to live in, I don't know, Wyoming, and I could eat whatever I want, maybe I would be okay. But that's not my reality. So the business is profitable. We're struggling very much. Every penny that we can goes back in the business. There isn't much left for us to survive. So we're definitely going through a very hard time. And, you know, we hope that reaching to a bigger audience, uh, it's what's going to help us. I feel for you, but the underlining point is that the Jewish market isn't big enough to sustain a modest business. You brought up a lot of real issues that I'm very passionate about being rich to be a poor Jew. It's very valid and I don't think you have to be an artist to to realize this issue. I also love that you brought up concepts and the realities of a size 14 dress not fitting every 14 size woman the same way and that being an issue. And just for us women to hear the issues that a designer has to deal with in the fashion industry. You're dealing with people's money. You're dealing with people's self-esteem. You're touching on so many touchy subjects for people. And then the last point is you're in an industry that's full of unethical activity and behavior. Is this what you want to succeed with or is success the ultimate goal and you will defer and detour if you see a better opportunity. For musicians or dancers, it's very often, you know, this is it. So if I don't make money, I'll have to just get another job to survive, but I'll keep dancing or I'll keep singing or keep producing. Is this your thing or are you first an entrepreneur and 
you will give up the art form or change the art form because you have aligned it so much with your parnasa, with your livelihood. Mm -hmm. So I am definitely an entrepreneur first. I mean, I'm not going to stay in a field for 10 years if that's bankrupting me and my family. My husband and I, we work together in the business, so we don't have any salaries. It, It is this that's sustaining us. So I'm not going to put my my family in a situation where they are homeless because I'm trying a business if the business is not working. If it's not working, I have to make changes. I do feel one thing. I feel that I would always in my life, no matter what I do, is going to be with art and creativity because this is how my brain works. I always tell my, my family that my brain sparkles. I almost feel the sparkling. I feel the fire. I can see it. It's it's strange, but maybe you as an artist, maybe you can understand me, but it's always working. Um, when I say at home, I say I have an idea, everybody runs because I am also very stubborn. So if I have an idea, I have to try it. If I think that there's any potential, I don't let it just go. So people know that I'm going to do it in the house and they're always scared. So no matter what, I'll always do something creative. I feel right now with what I'm doing with the Kintsugi line and being um, place, um, a platform to empower women, I feel very, very connected to it. From the interviews that I already did, something in common between them is that none of the women felt that it was old to them to have a good life. This is so empowering because if everybody understood, everybody who's sitting at home and saying, why me? This is not fair. Why did I have to go through this? I'm overall a good person. It's part of the journey. It's not a punishment. And these women saw it as it was their job to fix their lives. Okay, so you did answer my question and you did lead into a topic that's very relevant today, it being the Sarimei Chuva, but the idea of bad things happening to good people, for all of us going through challenging times in our businesses, in our art businesses, or just in your art form, it's important to remember that it's part of the journey, as you said, and it's not a punishment necessarily. This is our journey. This is what God wants from us right now. And the only choice is how we're going to deal with what's coming our way. Mm-hmm. And I thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all your messages and the story of your business, sharing your hardships, but also explaining that you are successful and that that's the ultimate goal and that you will keep fighting until you find that because you do have to put your children through day school and you do need to put food on the table for every Shabbat and every Yom Tov. As an exciting promotion, Miriam has offered our listeners 15% off whatever you would like to purchase on MikaFashion.com. Mika spelled M-I-K-A-H Fashion.com. By using the promo code FRAN15 with a capital F. This offer will be valid for two months. If you are listening to this and it's past two months from September 2018, you can contact Miriam and receive a special code for 10%. This is so special. I'm so excited to be a medium for 
some women to be able to buy at a discounted rate because you do not compromise on your ethics, on your standards, and you do create quality and you create it with quality. Thank you for being such a strong example, such a fierce woman entrepreneur and artist going forward, telling us what you need from us. And we really wish you a lot of success. And at this time of year, the new year, I give you a blessing that it should be a happy, sweet new year with success and positive opportunities for you and your business. Thank you. Likewise for you as well and all your listeners. Thank you. To see the catalog, go to www.mikafashion.com or follow her on Instagram at Mika Fashion. M-I-K-A-H-F-A-S-H-I-O-N. And FRAN15, F-R-A-N-15, is the code you could use to get 15% off for the next two months. If you have been enjoying this podcast, please make sure to leave us a review, subscribe, and share this show with people you think may also enjoy it. See you next time.